0: That's what led me to, that moment on, I committed to myself that I need to change and I need to become a trusting, vulnerable and empathetic leader that puts the needs of others before myself and try to create a circle of safety where I can empower people to learn, grow, make mistakes, forgive one another, thereby creating an environment of resilience and success. And that's the journey that I'm still on.
2: hey everybody jason patria here and you are listening to the lead with your brand podcast which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume show your value and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough well we've got another amazing show for you today we have mohammed anwar the president and ceo at softway and culture plus and the co-author and podcast host of Love as a Business Strategy. But before we get to Muhammad, let's talk a little bit about your brand and how you show up every single day. Now, you've heard me say this before, where you went to school, those diplomas, all of those great certificates, and even your LinkedIn profile of all of those amazing brands and companies that you've worked for. At the end of the day, those things don't matter. Now, don't kill me because you're saying, Jason, I had my blood, sweat, and tears and a whole lot of money into getting that degree or getting that certificate. And I've spent all of these years working at all of these great brands so everybody knows it on my resume. Well, guess what? Do those things help you get a job interview? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, how you show up How you act and how you behave determines how you really lead with your brand. So let's be clear, if you're at work and you show up late to things, if you interrupt people in meetings, if you steamroll through other people's ideas, it doesn't matter if you went to Wharton or Harvard, your brand is simply being a Jerk. So remember, when we are building our brands, we're always focused on those great super-sized words and our word bank that we put into our LinkedIn and that we talk about ourselves. We're always thinking about that brand filter or the way we create our signature projects. But remember At the end of the day, it is all about how your actions and behaviors allow people to see you and label you with all of those positive terms and attributes. So I want you to start thinking, if your brand is all about being that first mover who's innovative and creative and curious and inquisitive, I want to make sure that you are peeling the onion. How are you peeling the onion back and asking yourselves, in the past two weeks, what have I actually done? What would people see me do? What would people hear me say that they would come back and label me as inquisitive, curious, a first mover, and innovative? Because at the end of the day, we can choose whatever words we want. But other people choose words and label us based on our actions and behaviors. At the end of the day, that's the only thing that can control word of mouth, which is your biggest piece of marketing. Your brand, quite simply, is what people say about you after you leave the room. Well, I am super excited about today's guest. It is Mohammed Anwar, the president and CEO at Softway and Culture Plus. Now, he is the co-creator and facilitator of Seneca Leaders, co-host of Love as a Business Strategy podcast. And he is the author of the Wall Street Journal best-selling book, Love as a Business Strategy, Resilience, Belonging, and Success. Now, he is celebrated for creating and sustaining a humanity-centered culture at Softway based on the philosophy that love is a business strategy. However, there was a time when the company culture at Softway was so toxic that it almost caused the entire enterprise to fold. Mohammed took full responsibility for the problems at Softway and knew that as the leader, he needed to change for the company to survive. After deep introspection, he eventually turned the company around and helped him create a sister company called Culture Plus and co-author the book. We'll be back in just a few moments with Mohammed Anwar. And we are back. I am thrilled for today's guest. It is Mohammed Anwar, the president and CEO at Softway and Culture Plus. Mohamed, what is going on today?
0: Uh, nothing. I'm just excited to be here and uh, share my story with you and the rest of the audience.
2: Yeah, well, let's get into your story. Start off by telling me, uh, Mohammed, when you first meet people, how do you describe who you are and what it is that you do? Oh, wow. Okay.
0: So my name is Muhammad Anwar and I am the president and CEO of a technology firm that I founded uh, 20 years ago when I was 20 years old. Kind of gives away my age. Uh, (laughs) When I was pursuing, I was pursuing my computer science degree um, at University of Houston. and I started my company and within 10 years of starting the company, I had over 300 employees, and I believed I had hit the pinnacle of success, especially, you know, as an immigrant, I felt like I was living the American dream. I was driving my fancy cars, flying planes across Texas. And, um, you know, I was living the life. And then, yeah. um, and then in 2015, 2016, our company was on the verge of bankruptcy and we were hemorrhaging cash and losing employees left and right. And, um, you know, in a deep moment of introspection, I was able to come to the realization that this wasn't the economy, the market, the customers or people, but this was a result of me, my selfish attitude, my behaviors, my desire for greed had led me to create an environment that was toxic. And, um, based on fear. And so nobody was putting their heart and soul into the work they were doing. They were not passionate. And so our company was on a path of self-destruction and wow. I uh, was at the helm of it. And, uh, fortunately I was able to go on a journey of, uh, first of all, realizing that and then transforming, uh, myself, which I'm still on, on the journey for. And our company went from Uh, bankruptcy to surviving to thriving. And that's what gave birth to love as a business strategy. Uh, the book yeah. that I co-authored.
2: <laughs> yes, and and I want to hear all about the book. But first, talk to me a little bit about this career path, right? You gave us kind of this whole sna- snapshot. And when you mm-hmm. think about some career breakthroughs, like how did you even break in at 20 years old to have a startup become so wildly successful? H- help us understand how that even occurred.
0: Yeah, so first of all, just to give you context, I, I moved to the United States when I was 15, to go to high school here. And my parents are from India, but I was born in Saudi Arabia. So I'm Indian, uh, but didn't live in India, Uh, moved to the United States to pursue my high school and then go to college. And while I was in college looking um, for jobs, I found it increasingly difficult to find jobs uh, because uh, at that moment in time, in the 2000s, we had just come off of the Y2K bubble burst and and all of the things that were going on around the time. And a lot of the jobs are shipping over to India. And so I was like, does this mean I have to go back to India to <laughs> to pursue my career? <laughs> um, and so um, my brother, uh, elder brother who was in India at the time, gave me this idea. It's he like, hey, why don't we start a business where you can get clients and consult them with technology and I can hire developers in Bangalore, India, and we can start this technology business. And that's how the idea came to fruition by me starting a company. And um, my first uh, few projects were the hardest to get. I remember walking down the street of this, um, there's a street in Houston called Harvin, where all these wholesale stores exist. And I just walked into these stores and I said, look, you guys need to jump on the e-commerce space and you should put your products on, on the internet and I can build you these websites for you. And pretty much everyone said, no, we don't want a website. <laughs> Ultimately, I, I got one wholesaler to agree to give me the opportunity to build a website. In fact, I said, listen, I'll build it for free for you. Just give me an opportunity to build your website. Wow. And I built the website. And I remember the name of the website it was California Wholesale Bags.com. It was the longest domain I've ever encountered. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't even just be <laughs>
2: CA Wholesale. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, and I built the website. And then I went back to every Store that had refused to give me the projects and said, "Look, you know the guy across the street. He built a website with me. So you're you're late to the game. Do you want to build a website?" <laughs> and then I charged all of them. <laughs>
2: to <build a> website. <laughs> but I love how your e-commerce story is like pounding the pavement and knocking on brick and mortars, right?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's kind of how I got into the business. But of course, we transformed pretty quickly. Um, and, and this is me, you know, I've never had a job. I've never worked for anyone uh, besides doing a few on-campus jobs when I was in college. And so all of a sudden I'm finding myself leading a business without any formal experience, without any formal training in leadership and or business. So I had to look to the business world and the corporate world that I interacted with to mentor myself. So every customer that I was dealing with, I was like, oh, how do they lead? How do they operate? I guess that's how I need to lead. And so I started to borrow all these behaviors from my interactions with the corporate world that I believe brought success. And next thing I go from a startup to growing to finding success. And the more and more I was on this journey, I was like, oh, I need to operate more like the IBMs, the Microsofts and all these large companies. And I began to build structure on the corporation that was very much hierarchical, very much based on authority and how to drive results and based on no trust <laughs> and all of the above. And that's where I found myself in trouble um, in 2016 yeah. 2016.
2: yeah. And so Mohammed, tell me, you said you realized that the big problem at the company was you, right? That you had created a toxic culture. So How did you actually come to that realization and like look hard in the mirror and realize you were actually the one driving all of these negative business results from retention of employees and customers to to financial value?
0: Yeah. So in 2015, 2016, when we were on the verge of bankruptcy, our darkest day had arrived, which is essentially when um, in order to keep the company from shutting down, I had to do mass layoffs. Uh, I had to lay off one third of our company all in just one day. And, um, unfortunately we did so in the very inhumane and dehumanizing manner. And after, at that moment in time, I pretty much lost all my confidence of being the CEO. I really didn't know how to, I, I didn't know how to lead the company any further. I didn't even know if the company would stay open anymore. Um, I had just lost all my confidence in myself and I was at the lowest of the low, um, in my life. Yeah. And a couple of weeks passed by, I received uh, tickets to go to a football game for the university, of Houston Cougars. And, uh, I had received tickets from my, my customer. So yeah. I decided to go to that game with my brother and I was really excited because I wanted a distraction <laughs> in my life. I just wanted something to distract myself from everything that was going on. And besides, <clears throat> Houston was on this Cinderella run. They were 9-0 and at the time under a rookie head coach, Tom Herman. And I was really excited. We're playing a ranked opponent at home. I show up to the game, uh, go into the fourth quarter, and we're losing by 20 points. And we're playing <laughs> with a third string quarterback. And I find myself being disappointed. And I look at everybody else starting to pick up and leave the stadium. Yeah. And I, I contemplated doing the same, but something inside of me told me, stay back, be there to support the team till the very end. And I'm glad I did because I ended up witnessing one of the best comebacks in football history for University of Houston. We ended up winning that night 35 to 34 with less than 30 seconds left in the game. Wow. And I found myself really excited rejuvenated and I started to see soft through the eyes of the Houston Cougar football team and I started to envision our own fourth quarter financial comeback and I was ready to go back on Monday and fight not give up and so Monday came around I walk into the office and at 11 a.m. I log on to Facebook live to watch the press conference with then coach Tom Herman and in that press conference, one of the reporters that asked what had led to the comeback and the resilience of the team, what what was it that led them to win that night? And it's what he said that just changed my whole mindset and the yeah. path, for, path for my life forward from there on. He said it was love. And mm-hmm. he said it was the love and support for one another that those players had that led them to win that night. And yeah. he began to expand and say, this isn't love you, bro. Uh, kind of love. This is, <laughs> this is, I genuinely love you. You have my heart in your hand kind of love. And yeah. when those players go on the field, they're not going on the field for themselves, but they're going on the field for their brothers next to them. And that's how you win championship games. And let alone that is how you build championship teams. You can have a team of all star players and not have that love for one another and you won't win championships. And mm-hmm. you could be a, medium talented team and have that culture of love and you can go win championships. Yeah. And as he began to explain that my mind was just exploding. And um, I began to ask myself, do I love my team the way coach Herman is describing the Mm. culture of love of his team? And the resounding answer was no. Mm. And that's what led me to, From that moment on, I committed to myself that I need to change and I need to become a trusting, vulnerable, and empathetic leader that puts the needs of others before myself and try to create a circle of safety where I can empower people to learn, grow, make mistakes, forgive one another, thereby creating an environment of resilience and success. And that's the journey that I'm still on. Um because I believe that this journey is a permanent state of transformation. You're never done transforming. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so Mohammed, tell me, what are those things that you did that first week to start oh. putting love as a business strategy into action? Okay. Well, I did
0: something that I regret, but uh, <laughs> Monday I, I'll share it anyways. I be be vulnerable, be all the way. So, um, Monday, I watched this press conference. Tuesday, I had a company-wide meeting with India and the U.S. team, um, almost 160, 170 people, and I told them, "I love, I love you all." And you should have seen their faces. You should have seen their eyes were like, "What is he saying?" <laughs> is this the Muhammad that we know what the hell is wrong with him? (laughs) I got all these stares and looks and of disbelief. And I find out, you know, obviously once I had rebuilt my trust, they were like, "Muhammad, we thought you were crazy (laughs) when you said that. (laughs) And some of us were like, oh, here we go again. He just saw this football game and he's like all excited. So it's going to be the flavor of the month. And, um, so yeah, I, that was the first thing I did, but that was not the right way that I did it, but nonetheless, I think, um, I began to make a lot of changes in how I, um, showed up to the workplace, um, simple things I did were like, I, I gave up my corner executive office and moved into the bullpen area. Wow. and I began to work from where everybody else was working. Originally, they were all like, "Oh, Mohammed is here to like now micromanage us," so they were all scared again. But my intent yeah. was, I just wanted—I didn't want people to have to walk the hall of shame to get to me. I wanted to be there where they are to support them. Um, and then, as I would bring in, as I come to work, I, I would share my lunch with, uh, with, with the team members. Um, because I wanted to practice selflessness. So I was like, you know, if I can give up a portion of my food, um, for the sake of others, then those are the little things I can do to build relationships, but also learn to practice selflessness. So I started to do things like that. Um, I obviously sold my fancy car which is a Porsche uh, Panamera Turbo S zero to 16, 3.9 seconds. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I sold my car and put the money back into the company so that we could survive and make payroll. Um, gave up flying. I sold my house ultimately because I couldn't um, afford, <laughs> afford it. I was almost bankrupt, but also yeah. um, I I was able to put Money, a portion of the proceeds back into the company to keep the company from closing down. A lot of these things, I didn't do it like overtly, although people did notice. One day, I didn't show up in a Porsche. Uh, (laughs) There, there's all these little things that I think mattered the most to people, and these big things that were more personal to me that wouldn't impact others. Like I didn't, I didn't sell the house or the car just to show it to them. I knew it was just the right thing I needed to do. Uh, But the things that mattered to the team were the little things of how I was able to receive feedback, how I was vulnerable and apologizing all of a sudden and taking ownership and or putting the needs of others before myself. Like those things mattered the most. And these other things while in the eyes were like the big things financially, from a cultural standpoint, those weren't as important as my behavior changes uh, as I showed up to work
2: yeah yeah and ultimately you've had great success as a result right you were able to form culture plus as a standalone business you co-authored uh love as a business strategy which by the way is a wall street journal best-selling book so so talk to me about like the success since you were able to kind of break through yourself and and kind of reinvent the way that you lead yeah
0: so as we were on this journey you know our uh what what was a case for change for me personally to survive, you know, a near bankruptcy um, eventually led to our company transforming and our results succeeding uh, so much so that our largest customer at the time noticed our transformation and they were a fortune five company and uh, we used to work with them. We'd been working with them for like over eight years and they had the blessing or the curse of being with us before and during and after our transformation. And so our stakeholders at the time really enjoyed hanging out with us more than their own coworkers. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so they came up to us and they were like, um, Muhammad and team, you know, we really, really enjoy working with you all so much that we wish we could have a part of your culture inside our own walls would you all consider um, helping us with our culture in our own company, in our own department? And we were like, we're flattered, but no, that's not what we do. (laughs) And them being our largest customer, they kind of compelled us uh, to say, no, you will do something for us. And, so they f- they went to fight with their senior leaders and said, "Hey, listen, we need we would like Softway to to come help us with like doing leadership transformation workshops." Um, and we would like them to help us with our culture and we want them to come and teach you all how to be better leaders. (laughs) And so they had the courage to go tell their leaders, we need to try something because they had told us like we've worked with Deloitte's, the McKenzie's and our leaders go to these training and experiences and come back with t-shirts to prove they went there, but they don't change. Mm.
1: Um,
0: so we really would like you all to do something. So we ended up doing a pilot. And the pilot was super successful. And the next thing you know, they sent us across the globe to 10 different countries, helped uh, train 1400 leaders from 46 different uh, regions that, that flew in and from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different religions, different ways they were raised. And they all resonated with this concept of love and leading with love. And at that moment in time, it hit me that this was her calling. This is our new purpose and calling, is which is we need to bring back humanity to the workplace. And so since that revelation, we have then, um, you know, committed to doing anything we do from our technology business or communications um, and our culture as a service to help bring humanity back to the workplace. And as a result of that, we decided to write the book called Love as a Business Strategy, and started a company last year called Culture Plus as a second growth engine to be in parallel with my uh, technology business, uh, so that we can offer culture as a service, um, to the world and the customers. So that's kind of how we led into this whole space, but I feel more, um, passion in doing this type of work, uh, with a real purpose, which I, for the longest time, I thought my purpose was to become a millionaire. And while I achieved it, lost it, all of it, I never felt satisfied. And now here I am trying to do some meaningful, purposeful work that I think can have big impact on the world. And this is the most passionate I've been in doing anything as a business owner.
2: Yeah, that's amazing. So, Mohammed, for folks, and I know everyone's going to go out and order Love as a Business Strategy now on Amazon or wherever you get your 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 books at, give our listeners just a little flair. What are, are some of the core tenets that they'll find in the book?
0: Yeah, so um, I'd say, number one, don't go looking for this book as a way to find seven effective ways to be a better leader or... <laughs> the 10 (laughs) steps to reach a business of success. Like this book is a book of failures. (laughs) This book is a book filled with vulnerable stories, uh, real stories of how we have sucked. We have made mistakes. (laughs) We have failed. Um, But also we have a lot of learnings in there that I think you will find very relatable. So it's a nonfiction book with a lot of great stories of failures. Mm, Um, And um, so just note that our whole philosophy is based on the fact that um, behaviors are the bottom line. Every financial statement that a business, every financial uh, line on a financial statement has a behavior attributed to it that either makes that number go up or go down. It all starts with behaviors. So our book is based on the philosophy that, uh, without the right behaviors of every individual in the organization, you cannot aspire to build the culture you desire. And without the right culture, you cannot successfully build long-term uh, success for the business. So yeah. our whole book is based on the tenets of it starts with behaviors. And that's essentially the high-level outline of the book. Um, and um, it's, it's also a playbook of if you were looking to incorporate this in your day-to-day as a CEO, middle manager, or an individual contributor. Every every aspect of the book is relatable, no matter where you sit in the organization. In fact, you might see, find value in your personal life, family life, and your uh, <laughs> every day-to-day as well, and how to just be a good human. Um, and we We've we've heard a lot of stories of people having read the book and and been severely impacted by it in a positive way, and how it's uh, helped them and how they see work and how see, how they see their life and their workplace. So I hope the uh, readers can get that same value.
2: Yeah, and just imagine if you hadn't gone to that football game, where would you be?
0: I know, right? Like. I've been trying to get hold of Tom Herman. So maybe Tom Herman listens to this podcast (laughs) and contacts me. But yeah, Coach Tom Herman doesn't even realize that his press conference that day had such an impact on a business like ours that saved our business from closing, let alone now it's impacting thousands of people out there who are learning about our, through our book, our story, but also through our services and offering uh, through culture plus we're like now bringing the sports world culture into the workplace yeah. and changing lives. And maybe one day he, he reads the book. Maybe he, he, he sees the impact he's had who knows <laughs>
2: yeah that's amazing so muhammad let's talk a little bit about your brand right you're a mm-hmm. steward of of the brands of both of your organizations how would you describe your brand as an executive today give me three words that describe brand Mohammed anwar human mm. humble and reliable Ooh, human, humble, and reliable. Now, tell me, how has that evolved over time? Because I'm assuming <laughs> these are not the three words that either you or your employees would have said back in 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 2015. W- what did you maybe used to be known for?
0: Angry, jerk, and selfish.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and and so so talk to me. Th- those are, a, that's a big shift, right? And mm. obviously, obviously you've been on this journey for for many years now, but how is it that you show up every single day as human, humble, yet still being reliable because you got to get stuff done because you run a company and you have clients? How do you co- sort of juggle those three things?
0: Yeah, believe it or not, they are in perfect alignment with each other, mm. right? And they're not, like in contrast or opposite forces working with each other. It might sound like that in the business place that you can, you might, you might have this perception, which I think is is formed by the way we've operated for many years now in the corporate workplace that being human is not allowed in the workplace. And, um, you know, the corporate environment is extremely competitive. So egos are at the highest level. And like, you know, if you're humble and weak, you're going to be like run over and so forth. And then, you know, uh reliable in the sense of being able to do the right thing, even when no one's watching, that sense of reliability is what mm. is needed uh in yeah. the workplace. And so when you put all three of these together, they can become your legacy and your competitive advantage in the workplace to influence others and to take others with you in the journey. So I I think it is synonymous with having success uh, in the business workplace. If you are able to manifest Your behaviors in this regard, you can be very successful as a business owner and and make everyone's lives that much better as a leader and in a position of influence. So, I actually think it's it's the way we should all lead.
2: Yeah, and and so you you shared, Mohammed, that you know no one's perfect and you're on a journey. So, give me an example of a time you know recently where your intention is to be human, humble, and reliable, but maybe you fell off the wagon. M- maybe you did something that's not there. How do you actually recover knowing that we we can't be all those things all of the time, even though we're always trying?
0: Yeah. Great question. And so, yeah, the reality is we're all human. Um, we we all are, uh, you know, capable of failing, making mistakes, and not being perfect. And And so, um, even as of recently, I can go into, I've, I've gone into meetings and offended people <laughs> without the intent <laughs> of offending people, right? Because at the end of the day, we have to build self-awareness of ourselves as humans and especially as leaders, because how we think we're coming across isn't necessarily how others are experiencing us. And that gap, of how we think we're being experienced versus how others are actually experiencing us is the self-awareness gap. And yeah. our goal is to reduce that gap. And the more you are able to reduce that gap, the more self-aware you become. And so you find yourself um, becoming better at catching yourself, saying mm. the wrong things, Behaving the wrong ways, and yeah. that frequency of realizing that becomes more and more real time. Now I can catch myself uh, before I would say things, and months would go by. People would give me feedback, and be like "You're crazy, I didn't say that," you know, and that's not how I came across. <laughs> I don't know which world you're living in today. When I do say things, in, almost instantaneously, within a second, I'm like, "Oh shoot." Um, That didn't catch us. Right. Like I'm catching it. And so doesn't mean I'm not gonna screw up. Doesn't mean I'm not gonna say the wrong things. I am. That's why we're all human. But also because I've become vulnerable and I'm humble and everybody understand that I'm human, they also have more grace for me. They don't look at me as the CEO, they look at me as Muhammad, the human, the father the The parent, the brother the the friend, and see me as a human, and so when I do mess up, when I do lose my temper, which I still do when i s when i do when I can become a jerk at times, people have more grace, people mm. have more forgiveness, people are able to let go and be like it's okay, Mohammed, we love you, we know you're having a bad day so we'll let it pass and thank you for the apology by the way so you know we're able to move past those things a yeah. lot faster yeah before i would i would say the wrong things and never admit to my mistakes and be a jerk about it like so like that doesn't help today i can still make mistakes of course less frequently but when i do people have more grace for me and that's yeah. so important for leaders um to have that support system because if it wasn't for my team, their love and their support and their grace and their forgiveness, I wouldn't be able to rebuild that trust and go on this journey.
2: Yeah. And Muhammad, it's so interesting that if we look at sort of your your superpowers or your supersized words of reliably showing up as human and humble allows other people to extend that to you right and in in the past when you weren't willing to extend that people weren't willing to extend that back to you either right
0: exactly absolutely I, i i had to first take the step to start the change but it's a journey right and so if others did not support me in this journey i would not be successful so i owe it all to my team to be there for me um, and having that grace and sticking it out with me despite my behaviors, despite my attitude, they were willing to practice that that uh, that humanity towards me um, and and extended that grace with, without which I, like I said, like there would be no love as a business strategy.
2: Yeah. Now, Mohammed, you you mentioned that practicing love could also be something that helps you in your life strategy. So tell me how outside of work, how did this impact you and the relationships that you have outside?
0: Uh, Tremendously. I, I think it has shaped my, my parenting style, how I behave with my children, how I behave with my spouse, how I behave with my siblings, my neighbors, strangers, even the guy who cuts me off on the street, like while driving, (laughs) like my reactions have changed. Like, I will tell you, like, I think a lot of us share this, this road rage when somebody cuts you, especially in Houston traffic, it's horrible. And (laughs) they cut you off and you're screaming at the windshield, you know, and, you know, getting upset. Now, when people cut me off on the street or like overtake me in a way that's not, you know, it's not appropriate. I'm like, Oh, maybe they have an urgency in their life and I assume good intent and I'm able to control myself like so much better. <laughs> and uh I just like, huh, okay, go ahead. No problem. <laughs> like it's just changed my whole perspective. I don't find myself yelling at the windshield anymore. I, like, that's just like simple examples and you know, I'd show up to the restaurant and I would get very impatient with the waiters and like how I would treat them was with like disrespect and like, is my food ready yet? You know, now I find myself like being very patient and like helping and like waiting and like giving them the benefit of the doubt. Like, okay, maybe they're really busy. Like, you know, like it just changed my whole mindset. The way I see the world has changed completely. Wow.
2: Wow. Well, it is amazing. I have a couple of fun questions to close us out, Mohammed. We sure. were talking a little bit about your brand. What's a brand that you're obsessed with as a consumer? What can't you live without?
0: Ooh, never been asked that question. I don't know. It's. I think it's the brands of the sports brands. Like, I don't know. I'm like going in the sports team, you know, each team has a brand, like Sports World, right? And how those brands bring people together to believe in something and that sense of belonging and the sense of like camaraderie. Like, I love those brands. I love the brands that the sports teams emulate out there to get a whole community to rally around them. Like the Houston Astros just won and the World Series. And, you know, it brought the whole city together and the greater Houston area together. And they closed down schools, which I'm not too happy about to celebrate the parade. <laughs> but it's just like this thing that unifies communities and people together. Um, I'm always inspired by brands like that. So if I had one particular brand right now, I think I'd say I am biased. So I'm gonna say I'm inspired by the Houston Cougar basketball team at the current moment yeah they're ranked three nation and the way the coach is leading that team and how it's bringing the whole community of houston together to rally around the basketball team i think that's a brand that i look up to that's
2: awesome now i know that you used to love that porsche that you used to drive (laughs) up in but if you were a type of car today what Mm -hmm. type of car would you be and why
0: i would be a minivan and, and just if I I drive a minivan since I sold that uh, sold that car I have driven a um, Toyota Sienna minivan for 7 years a 2011 um Sienna golden color minivan and uh now I replaced it with another Sienna vin- minivan and I've recognized that the van uh is a very functional still very um family oriented child children friendly utility in terms of doing things you can go with many people eight eight people in the van together go to journeys go to destinations and like it just has a lot more of the experience of building memories that i would say i'm a i'm a minivan if i had a chance i'd be a minivan (laughs)
2: Awesome, and finally, Mohammed, what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners?
0: Hmm. I would say I know there's a saying, you know, you'll never work a day in your life if you do what you love, and I actually say don't believe in that. <laughs> because the reality of the workplace and everything is you could be doing something you love, but do it with jerks and you won't love it. So it doesn't, it's, 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 it's basically find a workplace where they will love you and you will love the people around you because it makes whatever you do at that moment in time with meaning purpose that much more worth it. So, you know, while yes, there are skill sets and career ambitions that you might aspire. uh, Don't disregard the value of culture and those that you work with, because you could be pursuing a career, but be around humans you don't enjoy and be in a culture you're not valued, then it won't matter. So Mm. that's my advice.
2: Yeah, it all comes down to love. Well, Mohamed Anwar, the book is Love as a Business Strategy. And where can folks uh, find out more about the book?
0: Yeah, so you can obviously buy it from any major online retailer. It's also available on Audible and or Kindle. Um, But also, if you want to purchase books directly from us, you have the option of purchasing it at loveasabusinessstrategy.com. And you can find more information about us as authors, our story and purchase books. You can even purchase signed copies of her book uh, from our website. And uh, we have a podcast as well called Love as a Business Strategy titled the same as the book if you want to hear real life stories of how love is working in the
2: workplace. So everybody go and follow Muhammad, uh, uh wherever you get your podcasts and check out the book. Muhammad, thank you so much for being so human and humble. We learned and loved a lot today. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts.
1: Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level?
2: What an amazing conversation with Mohammed Anwar, the president and CEO at Softway and Culture Plus, and the author of the Wall Street Journal best-selling book, Love as a Business Strategy. You know, Mohammed was So honest and so raw and shared so much about his evolution as a leader and his evolution as a brand. But you know what really, really stood out for me from Mohammed was the fact that it is all about self-awareness. Now, we talked at the beginning of the show all about your actions and behaviors, and quite frankly, Muhammad really emphasized that. We are measured by what people see us do and hear us say. The real question is, how much can you close the gap between what you perceive and what your intent is and how others perceive it? So you know what? Don't just guess. I challenge you to go out and talk to five people. I want you to go out and ask five people, people that you work with, people that you trust, maybe even some of your stakeholders, even some of your friends and family members. I want you to ask them to describe three words that they would use to describe you when you are at your best and two words to describe you when you're under stress or maybe even duress. Now, Really press them for the truth because you are going to get a real set of words. And then I want you to ask them, what is it that they are seeing you do or hearing you say that they would label you with those words? That is going to help you understand how you are showing up and help you better understand how you can be aware and practice self-control. Well, that's our show for today. If you loved what you heard, make sure you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and we will deliver a brand new show and an amazing executive brand every single Tuesday. Check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria and I would love to continue the conversation on LinkedIn. Most importantly never be a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure in your career, you are a super premium brand like Starbucks.
1: You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria.